Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when the sex is too good, going from chapter five to chapter two, mm-hmm. and when our curiosity is getting the better of us. But mm-hmm. before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners, therapists, neuroscientists, anything of the sort. We just read a lot of stuff on the internet. Yes, mostly memes. Sam and I are not professionals. (laughs) We are not trained in this. We are just two people. um, And these are just our opinions. So please take our advice as you see fit in your life. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam, this week's check-in topic I actually stole from our fantastic Just Break Up podcast private Facebook group. I think I shouted it out last week, but just to reiterate, there are like 2,500 people in there. You can join um, if you search Just Break Up private group, I think. And um, there's just a very easy security question, which is who hosts the Just Break Up podcast? And, um, it's really Sam charming. Salmon Sierra is the only acceptable answer. Like <laughs> Salmon Sierra. The salmon. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, it's a really charming co- community resource because folks are always on there just getting feedback from other Just Break Up listeners, you know, getting their questions answered by folks other than Sam and I, by potentially little actual professionals. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I saw a question that I actually thought was a great check-in topic, which was how to deal with engagement jealousy and or, Mm. you know, just general jealousy or anxiety when comparing your life and or relationship to other people. Like, I think the example, I don't remember perfectly the poster what they wrote but it was basically like you know i'm in a happy relationship and we talk about getting engaged but like a friend got engaged before we did and now i have this anxiety that like that our timelines are going to overlap in a weird way or there's an insecurity you know people commented about an insecurity about like not feeling like their relationship was progressing like other people's relationships were progressing um and I'm going to start by just reiterating some of what the amazing Just Break Up comments from our listeners said, which is like, this is so normal. This is so normal to feel some sort of jealousy or anxiety or those feelings that like we can't necessarily uh, control, but don't necessarily want to relate to, you know, it's so Mm -hmm. normal for us to feel that way, especially with the cultural and societal pressure we get put on us about where we need to be and what do we need to be doing in our lives and what does our need, our relationships need to look like. So first of all, it's totally normal and it doesn't mean that you're like a petty or a jealous or an insecure person. You know, I don't think it's indicative of any sort of like moral failing to feel that type of anxiety. No, for sure. And it's also um, something that we've been socialized to really think about and believe in, right? This idea that there's a right or best way to do relationships and that it should look this way and it should be on this timeline. And if you're not winning, you're losing and winning is doing it fastest and biggest, right? Like, and that is not actually true. Like it feels really true because we've been socialized to believe it. And that's sometimes the standard that we're held to. 
Um, but that's that's made up. Like we, yeah. like somebody just decided that that's yes. how we should be approaching relationships, and everyone was kind of like, "Cool, let's do it that way." Even yes. though we know that there are multiple different ways to do relationships, an infinite number of ways to do relationships, and that um, those relate those ways of doing it are also valid. Those timelines yes. are also valid. Those those decisions around when and how are also valid, um, which can be hard to remember, of course, when we're Looking at social media, um, which is often the place where the nuance just flies out the window. <laughs> or totally. like we sort of resort to like the lowest common denominator, which is like constant comparison and like <laughs> real focus on like heteronormativity and yeah. the right or best way to do things. <laughs> I remember, you know, in in the other what I would consider serious relationship of my life, um, friends of my partner at the time got engaged like got together and got engaged in the t- within the time frame of my existing relationship and i remember like really bumming me out and i felt so immature for it to bum me out <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. because i didn't want to be like them necessarily i just felt like we were failing like you said to use that word um but like Again, like you said, I think it's so important to remember, like, not only are we feeling these external pressures or, like, comparison is the thief of joy, yada, yada, but also all relationships function differently and have different needs. They all look different. Some people are together for 7, 10, 15 years and don't don't establish their partnership in a legal <laughs> binding way because that's just not the secret sauce for them you know and and other people like you know even me i was insecure it's so funny it's so it's so fucking funny (laughs) how our anxiety manifests because like on the on the flip side of that i was like super self-conscious by how fast my current marriage progressed even though Mm. i was like a 30 something year old who like knew exactly what I wanted and was in like a very happy, stable relationship, you know, like, but I was like so self-conscious about like what people would think because we moved in together after a year, we got engaged under two years, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it just to reiterate, like, I guess two things. One, you know, the secret sauce that works for your relationship isn't, might not taste good to other relationships <laughs> or might mm-hmm. not like nourish it the way that you think that um, it needs to be nourished. And also it is so human of us to feel insecure about whatever fucking path we're on, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. just zooming out for a second and just reminding ourselves, like, isn't it wild that our brains just totally make us feel bad about like following our instincts or, or having emotional responses to things, you know, for sure, feeling jealous or feeling self-conscious, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And like the, at the end of the day, the comparison is the thing that we're doing to ourselves. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it's a what harm I was like, that we're so inflicting on by. ourselves. Right. And we can, we get to decide whether or not we want to do it anymore, too. Right. Yeah. Like, we may be surrounded by people who are continuing to compare us, but like those people aren't in our relationship and they don't, they don't know us. Right. So, like, it's so funny because we, we sort of take on this thing of like, oh, this is so this this comparison, like everyone's comparing. And it's like, well, you don't have to <laughs> like, yeah, you're yeah. an actor with choices in this. You can decide that, like, I'm not going to compare my late relationship to to these people over here because those people over there have a different relationship than I do. Yes. And it's going to look different and it's going to operate differently and it's going to be on a different timeline, even though 
you know, people tell us that it should all look the same. We know that it's not. So yeah. what does it look like to just like accept that things are going to be different yeah. um, and, and lean into that, even as you're as we're giving ourselves permission to feel jealous or uncomfortable yes. or like crunchy about it? Say like, yep, those are all normal feelings. And I, as a person with choices in the situation, I'm going to decide that I'm not going to to do this comparison. I'm going to remind yeah. myself my relationship is unique to me and to my partner and isn't on some sort of arbitrary timeline. It's on the timeline that's going to work best for us as yes. a pair or a group of people. Yeah. Welcome in those feelings. Acknowledge that they're, re- you know, that, that like you're not a morally failing person for having them. And mm-hmm. then also say, like, this isn't the path for us. This isn't the relationship. You know, we're we're redoing our kitchen in my third trimester, which is, I don't know why. Right yes, yeah. just so smart <laughs> for us. Um, so I'm, like, thinking about houses. Like, let's go with a house metaphor. It's like, have you ever gone over to somebody's house and been like, wow, why does their shit look just so much nicer than, nicer than mine? Or why does their house this color, the couch or whatever, look so much nicer than mine, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then I like look around my neighborhood and realize that, that every single house is fundamentally different from its foundation up and yep. has different, you know, strengths and different needs and different maintenance and different designers. And that's your relationship too. So you can just say that's that house isn't for me. <laughs> for sure. That's a, not the strongest metaphor that I've ever used, but let's just end on that. <laughs> but, and the house looks different if you're living in it. Too, yeah. Right? Oh my like, God, for sure. Like my house, when people come over, might look like very tidy, but in like reality, it's not. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's, again, when we're comparing ourselves to people, often we're comparing ourselves to the pre- the image that they're presenting yes. to us about what yes. the relationship is as well. So like, yeah, you're never going to know what it's going to like to live in that house or be in that relationship because it's not your house and it's not yes. your relationship. So don't take on face value the things that you're being presented because people are almost always trying to put their best foot forward and trying yes. to show people the best parts rather than the leaky faucet or the water heater that keeps breaking or the basement that gets flooded all the time. It's like you're a poet. You Thank should you. just. You should just No, I took one creative writing class and I got a B plus in it, so I never took creative writing oh my ever gosh, again. <laughs> wounded you. That wounded you. It wounded me. <laughs> my my eleventh grade creative writing teacher and I did not see eye to eye on a lot of things. And she was like, This isn't poetic. And I was like, It's not poetic to you. Oh. But that doesn't mean it's poetic. <laughs> what type of high school poet were you? Like were you very uh, you know, in your angst or were you more like observational, you know? No, we all, we had to like follow prompts to like write all of our poems. So I just like did the prompt and she was like, this isn't poetic. And I was like, then don't give me a prompt. <laughs> like, what do you want from yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> just like one small, like creative writing comment. I, I fucking hate bad poetry prompts. All right. We can talk about this later. <laughs> yeah. It's like my life is insert color. Oh my God. Because <sighs> of this feeling. Like, that's, and how I was you, like, that's how you kill creative writing. In people's it, souls. That's literally what it did. It literally <laughs> killed creative writing for me. <laughs> I was like, I, okay, I'm not good. At, I'm not good at this. I guess because right. I got a B plus, which yeah, we can also no. unpack. And we, and you internalize <laughs> that. Got it. Okay, cool. The foundation is cracking. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into our very first letter. Our first letter is from anonymous anonymous, whose pronouns are she/her, who is writing to us from Dickland. <laughs> oh. 
Okay. And this is a super short letter um, that even the letter writer proposed to be a check-in topic, but I thought it would be fun to sort of unpack a little bit longer. So, hi, Sam and Sierra. like the fish. The question I have for you could be more of a check-in topic, but I am seriously wondering how I can have a successful breakup with a man that gives me the best sex I have ever had. When I tell you our relationship is not working and I've tried to cut it off at least eight times, I'm not lying. But I always, always, always fall back into the same pattern with him because I am in love with his penis. I know this question is very hetero, and I'm sure many people of other sexualities go through the same thing where we are digging this well, as you say, and not getting any water. Yet the sex is too good that we are worried we won't find anything better. Please help. I need to stop this vicious cycle. All right. If we're talking about creative writing before... (laughs) First of all, thank you, Anonymous Anonymous, for writing. But Mm -hmm. to, to dive in, you know, going with our creative writing theme, if... The well, let's go with the well metaphor, and you're like digging for water, and water is like a, I don't know, a mutually beneficial, emotionally stable, and sustaining relationship. Like, what is the sex in the well that keeps you in the dirt? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, like cool artifacts? Like that? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Or like... Like a a chain. (laughs) (laughs) A chain. (laughs) Like a handcuff, like a fuzzy handcuff that's keeping you. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe like they're like really cool shells. (laughs) I'm trying to think of in the dirt. Like what would keep me digging around if I was like, I'm looking for water, but what would, I can't find any water, but I keep finding these cool shells. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or like bones, I don't know. (laughs) I'm interested in what your sex is like. <laughs> okay, so uh, back to anonymous anonymous's question: um, How to have a successful breakup when? Let's just generalize it for a moment and say when there's one thing that keeps bringing you back, and the one thing doesn't sustain a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like generalizing it, but I'm also like I think <laughs> sex is a particular. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, hook a <laughs> no, particular right. fuzzy you're, handcuff. You're totally right. A particular um, shell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause it like really fucks with your brain. Um Oh, there's like a physical brain body chemical something, something. Science. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're like socialized to like like naughty sex is just like that more thrilling. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where it's like I know we shouldn't be doing those, but I can't I can't help myself. Oh yeah. And if you and as somebody who had like bad sex for a long time, good sex feels like like literally like life changing like <laughs> or like mm-hmm. mind altering. So it mm-hmm. has like almost like a a drug effect. Um I don't mean to like speak so simply or graphically or whatever, but you know having a physical relationship like that after not having it with other people can really fuck with your decision-making because it like puts extra emphasis on this naughty thing, as you say. Yeah. And I think um, sort of recognizing the fact that it is like kind of addictive (laughs) in a particular way, like Mm -hmm. it like it definitely like fucks with your brain chemicals in a way that is like I I believe again. I'm not a neuroscientist. So I don't know this, but I <laughs> you believe is like that really. You didn't even know. <laughs> I know. Designed to like connect you with that person, yes. right? It's designed to like make that connection happen. Um, 
but that thing can also be used in ways that is is like not helpful and is like yeah. antithetical to your goals, which is to like break up with this person because totally. you know that this relationship isn't working. Um, and I don't know that there's like a like a check the box thing of like here's the eight steps to make you not think about his dick anymore. I think it's more of like a you just gotta stop doing the thing type yeah. of situation. Yeah, you right. You gotta like make the decision to say like this dick isn't worth the the bullshit that I'm going through in this like cost benefit analysis, like, and I got to give this thing up, this thing that is really, is like, I'm really connected to, or like that I really want and crave um, in the same way that we have to like give up things that we also know are bad for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, like Taco Bell every, every time I get drunk, right? Like those things are like not. (laughs) Cause they don't make you feel good in the long run. Not that I, you know, like I get, I get myself Cinnabon, you know, (laughs) but. Absolutely. And I get Taco Bell all the time. So this is a horrible (laughs) metaphor that we're using. I'm just saying like, you know, I would, even though Cinnabon brings me pleasure, I know that in the long run, it doesn't sustain me in the way that a different thing would. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And you know what this letter reminds me of? And honestly, one of the main reasons why I wanted to answer it long form and not as a check-in was it reminds me of the piece of advice we got from Virgie Tovar, one of our head and heart work um, interviewees that aired a couple months ago. Um, and Virgie is like talking about how, like one of the tools that she applied for her healing and empowerment was radical um, self-acceptance and practicing radical honesty with yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we hear that and we often, I think I often used to think like radical honesty would be like, I am lovable, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) I am allowed to make mistakes, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, or I made a mistake and that's okay, which is all fine, radical honesty. But the example that Virgie gave was like, um, I am, you know, she was in a toxic relationship and she's like, okay, so I'm just going to wake up every day and, and like be radically honest with myself and claim the choices that I'm making. And she said something like, I am going to radically accept the fact that I am in a, I'm choosing, I'm actively choosing to be in a relationship with somebody who disrespects me, um, is toxic and treats me as like a sex slave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, yep. and I just thought it was like such an empowering exercise to say and claim the choices that we are making. Not that we don't have subconscious reasoning for things or triggers or old patterns, you know, but like a way to break some of those patterns is to is to say it out loud and claim it. So anonymous, anonymous, you have to say, I'm choosing to stay with this person because I want to have sex with them. <laughs> or like, I'm choosing to, uh, you know, be as honest with yourself as you can. Like, I don't know what this person's failings are in terms of their compatibility for you so like i'm gonna make some shit up but i don't really know because you didn't divulge but like i you could say something like i'm choosing to stay with somebody who doesn't share my same values who disrespects my passion and who i am deep i don't see a future with just because i want to have sex with him (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just and or like you know go going over to his house I'm about to go over to this house and not be my most authentic self because I want to have sex. And also, you know, like another thing I like about this strategy is like, at least you're accepting it. Like I have, 
I, I don't know you. I don't live in your body. I don't know what your boundaries are. Um, so if you want to like have sex with this person, you know, like I, that's that's fine with me. As long yeah. as you know, as long as you're actively choosing that, as long as you're consciously yep. and radically accepting your choices, because these are active choices that you're making, and that's yeah. that's the point of it. For sure. Yeah. No, I think it's important to remember that these are active choices. Like, and I'm not saying that they're bad or wrong choices. I'm just saying that they're active choices. Exactly. Um, And so you are, you're deciding to do this thing in the same way. And you can fight the the instinct that you have around this as well. Right. Like in the ways that we fight our instincts to run away from like literally run away from things or to like hit people when we're mad at them. Right. Like (laughs) we, we have the ability to sort of like to, to, push down these urges or to like to recognize that they're not in service to us. And you can do that with this man's dick too, right? Like you are capable of doing it. Um, And like Sierra says, like you're choosing not to, which neither good nor bad, no judgment there, but just recognizing like, yep, this is the thing that I'm choosing. I'm going to do it over and over and over again. Um, (laughs) And nothing's going to change until you change it. Like that's the reality of it either. Like, I know that you don't want to be doing this and it's like, okay, well, if you don't want to be doing it, then, then don't do it. (laughs) That's like sort of the long and short of it. Yep. I wish I could go in and like rewire your brain or something to like help you like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind for this man's dick or whatever. But like, I can't. So like, you just have to make, you have to make different choices. Like that's, that's the only option that you have available to you. And I, and I think the last thing I'll just touch on is like, talking about that sex scarcity fear that you have, or, you know, even the Mm. experience that I had about having bad sex and then having like life altering sex and how (laughs) that life altering sex with a toxic person made that toxic situation even more confusing because I was like, our bodies are literally meant to be together because this is physical heaven (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. emotional hell. (laughs) Um, Something I had to think about, you know, in processing that relationship was really addressing my scarcity anxiety or dethroning this physical connection. So maybe I can do that for you a little bit right now. Like this man's sexual abilities and his genitals like are making you feel things, but they're not special. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, that maybe what I needed to hear at that time was like, um, is this physical reward worth the lack of wholeness you're feeling in this relationship? You know, mm-hmm. are there, aren't there other parts of you that need to be nourished? And I think that our physical urges, our cravings, our, you know, our physical addictions can, can feel so loud and they give us that immediate gratification. And then we starve our other needs, like our emotional needs, our sustainability needs, our security needs. Um, so just like, I guess speaking from one person who was like addicted to the sex to another, um, pull your focus out. Remember that all parts of you need to be nourished. And this, this sex might feel like holy or, um, impossible to break up with, but it's just, it's not, it's not. And, and I guarantee you there's sex out there that feels better because the rest of you feels better too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And don't do the thing that I used to do where I would be like, oh, I'm just going to go over there to like watch a movie and it's going to be yeah, fine. Right. Yeah, and right. then it like yeah, always right. leads to sex. Like, <laughs> don't do that. 
know what you're an actor with choices. You are yes. making decisions and you know what that means. You know what that movie means. Don't try that with me. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> Don't try that with me. All right, my darling anonymous anonymous, we hope that this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. Did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about? I will tell you that I 100% am in that 75% of people. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had maybe, I don't know, 15 subscriptions, um, but I couldn't believe it when actually I had way more than that. And it was things that I both had forgotten about and not forgotten about, but like seeing it all in one place was a real sort of amazing moments of clarity for me from streaming services and fitness apps and delivery services. Like everyone's trying to sell you a subscription now. And Rocket Money is great because it helps make sure that you're no longer wasting money on the ones that you forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps find and cancel your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. I love how the dashboard helps me see this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits. It is humbling (laughs) (laughs) and incredibly helpful. Uh And They'll also help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in cancel subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes from Anxious Heart, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from Uncertain Town. I, 32, she, her, have been dating Jim, 36, he, him, for a couple of months. It has been over two years since my last relationship ended, and I have been in therapy regularly to work through the trauma of that abusive relationship. I met Jim, and things instantly click. We message for hours and talk about anything and everything. I tell him about my triggers, and he shares his own relationship triggers. We discuss argument styles and how I can how we can tell if the other is mad. Things are moving forward fast by traditional, socially acceptable standards, as he brings up that he wants to be exclusive with me before our first date, which ended up being about a week after we started talking. But it didn't feel fast. It felt natural. His profile said that he was a single father of three, and I have daughters as well, so we discussed schedules and how long to wait to introduce our kids to one another. I ask how long he has been divorced, and it comes out that he technically isn't divorced yet. They are separated, but he was living in her basement for some time as they figured things out. He is now living on his own. This threw me for a loop, if I'm being honest. Fast forward to our first date, and it goes great. We hardly pay attention to the activity that we were doing, bowling, because we wanted to talk the whole time. We closed the place down and continued talking outside until we were kicked out of the parking lot. Second date, same thing. 
Then I get a question from him asking if things are moving too fast, which confused me because he was the one to start calling me baby, babe, Han, and he was the one that sent a kiss emoji and asked where his was when I didn't immediately send one back. Okay, I think he is getting nervous. And I respond back with a, you've had a more recent relationship change than I have. And so I'm getting to know you at whatever pace you're comfortable with. And then nothing changes. He continues to use pet names. He tells me he misses me. He lets slip that he told his best friend that he was going to meet up with his girlfriend, me. He asks for reassurance that I want to be with him. And I happily tell him that I know his life is hectic between work and kids and trying to have a life outside of that. And I'm still wanting to be in his life and have him in mine. That was about a month ago, and for the past two weeks, I have felt him pulling away. My little anxious heart can't stand it, so I turn around and ask him for the reassurance that I so willingly gave to him. It comes, just not as quickly as I hoped for. Then yesterday, after not really hearing from him for a couple days, I ask if we can talk. He says that he has been meaning to, and yes, let's get together. I immediately ask if he's going to tell me that he doesn't want to keep seeing me because I don't need to wait eight hours to hear that news. Just tell me now so I can process. And he responds with, nope, not at all. So it comes out that he is being pulled in too many directions and doesn't feel like he can give me the time, attention, and emotional connection I want and deserve right now. He wants to slow down and for us to just have fun and not get caught up in the relationship stuff. Um, what? This relationship stuff is what I thought he wanted. It's what he told me he wanted. It's what he has demonstrated for the entire time leading up to the last two weeks. Mm. Now he tells me he doesn't want to put a label on what we are, but it doesn't mean that he is out with dating, seeing other people because, quote, you know that I don't have time for that. It feels like we've been reading the same book together, and now all of a sudden he wants to go back to chapter two, but he left me on chapter five. This feels like a complete reversal of everything that has been said so far, and I just feel duped. I understand that he is in a different place mentally than I am. So how do I manage my want to keep moving forward with his need to slow things down? How do I not internalize this perceived rejection and take all the blame on myself when I know logically I didn't do anything wrong? Mm. Okay. Thank you so much for writing Anxious Heart. I don't know, Sam. Maybe it's because I'm tired or because I had two pieces of cake (laughs) For lunch that I totally the two pieces regret. of cake for lunch was a real mistake on your part. Feel, I feel so much regret about it, but like I'm like very cranky with this person, this man, Jim. Mm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like I don't know, I I don't I feel unnaturally cranky at <laughs> this person. Um, I understand. Yeah, and maybe because I feel like um, so maybe you can like you know, help me process through some of my feelings and not come off as a total unempathetic person. Um, Mm -hmm. But there feels like a lack of emotional maturity coming from Jim because of the motions that he's doing. Like this immediacy for affection and pet names is, it's not quite like love bombing that we see in abusive relationships where they like, you know, shower you with love and affection, but it, it kind of is, is that same movement, you know, like let's move really fast. And then I don't have like the capacity or bandwidth or ability to, I don't know, slow down in a real way or like deal with For the sure. bed, like lay in the bed that I made sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel annoyed with. <laughs> no, absolutely. Jim. Yeah. It, I totally agree. It strikes me as being, um, emotionally immature it also strikes me as being like a anxious attachment style yes um 
where it's like, I really want the connection. I really want the attachment. I want the affection. And then once I have it, it's like, whoa, this is, I'm, I'm afraid of this, right? Like, yes. I don't, I don't like this. It's too close. It's, it's, I'm not ready for it. Like what is happening? But then it's like, and then we fall back into the cycle of like, no, but I need the attachment. I need it. Like, yes. where are you going with it? And at the same time, like, whoa, too close. Get away from me. Yes. Um, which I think is something that I have done in my past uh, and experienced from other people. Like what was interesting about your letter is that I read through it and I was like, oh, yes, yes, I know this thing that is happening yes. here. Yes. Like this thing. I've seen it happen. I've had it happen to me. I've seen it happen to other people where it's like it's like we're committed. Like I'm going to tell you that I want to marry you on the first date. Like I, I am like constantly touching you and like looking into your eyes and like searching for this connection. And then as soon as I realize that like it's not going to fit or it's going to be more work than I thought it was, then I'm going to be like, whoa, 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 too much, yes. too much, too much. Yes. It's um, wanting that connection and then not having the tools. Like it's yeah. wanting the vulnerability, but not really having the tools to be vulnerable, you know, which yeah. is, I think is like 98% of the world <laughs> myself included, you know, <laughs> for sure. No. And I think it's, um, it's like fake vulnerability yes, or it's like that's vulnerability, it. mm -hmm. like, I don't know, light or something where it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be vulnerable by like telling each other that we like really like each other, but we're not going to be vulnerable by showing any of the, the stuff that's actually happening yes. or like what it looks like to actually be like, oh, I'm having a horrible day because I've got. I'm living in my wife's ex-wife's basement yes. and I've got the, I've got kids that I have to take care of by myself now. And like all of that stuff. Or even like saying the, like, oh my God, you know, I got swept up in the moment. I, we move too fast. Can we slow down? Like, you know, it takes true vulnerability to, to admit that sort of, or maturity, I should say, to admit that sort of like, that we need to slow down, but in, in a way that doesn't, dilute it like the another thing that annoys me from Jim is like um I'm just tired I just don't have I don't have the empathy today um is like saying oh well we I want to focus on the fun stuff and not get caught up in a relationship stuff like right that's not if you feel like you're moving too fast that's legitimate that's like a that's a choice and an accident and and a life path that a lot of us get on because we get swept up in moments and emotions and then we realize like maybe this isn't the person we thought it was or or whatnot um but he's not saying that he's like i just want to have fun you know i want it to be easy <laughs> which is like Oh my god! How many times have people said that to me? Too How many, many times, times have I said that to people? No, just kidding. Yeah, also that. My coping mechanism no. was ghosting, so I am also a shitbag. So that's great. So was mine. So we're <laughs> who told us we so should have a relationship that, like, advice we podcast? We fucking have this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Um, but again, like that, the thing that he says around like, well, let's just have fun. Like, again, feels really, really textbook or like familiar yes. to me around like, yeah, of course. Like, honestly, if you had plotted this out, if I was like watching this happen in real time, I don't and I don't mean this to make you feel bad, but I would have pre predicted the things yes. that are going to happen in this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would have yeah, been yeah. like, yep, going to wait for the other shoe to drop. Oh, there it there is. It, there it the is. Shoe. Yep. He's pulling away. He's pulling away. Got it. Oh, and now here comes the, well, let's just have fun type of thing. Yep. Um, Which like, again, this is, this is not meant to be an indictment of you or him, but more yeah. to just like offer the idea of like, you weren't 
you weren't singly duped by this, yes. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, like this is a thing that people do to like create a really intense amount of intimacy when we're feeling unmoored or we're feeling like we don't have the capacity to have real intimacy. And then this is like the aftermath of it yes. of like, yep, this is what it feels like. Um, and you know, you are, you and Jim are both doing your best in this situation. You're yes. doing what you have available to you. Um, I think that it would be helpful for you to get really clear about what you yes. want from this relationship and what your kind of expectations are of things moving forward and being really clear that like, actually what I don't necessarily want all of this like lovey-dovey stuff so intensely. Like I was interested in having a relationship with you, right? I would have been fine with going slow, but you didn't want to go slow with me. And so now you're asking me to do something that, isn't necessarily in line with like where we are, right? Like these right. are all things that you can can talk to him about. But I think being really clear about like what you want and how you want to move forward from this is acceptable. And I think it's acceptable for you to say like, no, we don't go, we're not going back to just like, let's have fun. Like we've yes. been Because you're not interested in just thing. having fun. No, and, absolutely not. And that doesn't make you like a party pooper. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, like you, I, I, echo Sam's sentiments and just want to reiterate like now is a great time for you to be like totally secure in what you know to be true like don't look to him for cues don't look to him for boundaries don't look look to him for your needs right pause and ask yourself well what do I want what did I enter the dating field looking for so that when he says something like, I just want to have fun. I don't want to get caught up in the relationship stuff. You can lovingly and with the empathy that I don't have tonight <laughs> say, okay, that sounds fine for you. I, I totally respect that. I'm not here for that. I wish you well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, okay, cool. Uh, I totally respect that. I understand that you um, don't want to get like caught up in stress. Um, that's not really what I'm looking for. And it, and it, you know, when you call me babe and want to have this intimacy, it kind of confuses those boundaries for me. So I'm just going to step away and X, Y, and Z or whatever. Like now is the for time sure. to remind yourself that other people's emotional instability or their emotional immaturity or like their boundaries don't have to dictate our peace. So often they affect us, right? Like we are 100% affected by other people, but... Also, we, you know, it's it's okay if you know what you want. It's okay for you to say like, wow, I totally respect that you want to have fun right now. I want a relationship because that's what would sustain my, my life right now. That's what would really fit into my life right now. For sure. No, for sure. That makes a ton of sense. And it's okay for your feelings to be hurt by all of this. Like, Absolutely. I think Sam and I are approaching it like a little... Te more technically because we want to just get you the advice that like empowers you the most, but also, you know, this is fucking confusing and people are confusing and I don't have any empathy for Jim right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cake. The cake took all my empathy. <laughs> yeah. Your body is just like, Oh, I'm digesting all of this sugar. Yeah, I don't have yeah. time for the brain thing. <laughs> yes. And literally that's what pregnancy is like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trying to grow this baby. I don't have yeah. time for thinking. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> you, you nailed it. Um, 
So, uh, but this is confusing and I, I actually love the metaphor of like the chapters, right? Because I think that's like a very accurate way to describe the movement that he's putting you through. But it's okay for you to say again, like, it seems like we're holding the different books. It seems like we're reading different books and you want me to, you know, read this book, but like, this is the book I'm looking for. Or this is the story I want to be mm-hmm. a part of. Um, I don't know what is salvageable of this relationship. Again, we don't know enough details to know like the health or like if this could be all rectified with like an intimate conversation. But most importantly, I just want you to know like it's okay to be firm about what you want, right? You've got kids, you're in your 30s. You don't need to let his inconsistencies dictate your needs and desires. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, my darling. Um, we hope that this helps. We hope that it gets a little bit better. Thank you so much for for writing. We love you. We love you. Our third and final letter comes to us from Curiosity Killed the Cat, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from the free fall. Trigger warning for descriptions of physical relationship violence, stalking, and emotional abuse. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Long-time listener of your podcast, unbelievably grateful for the advice you share. Up until now, I've always found a podcast episode similar enough to my trials and tribulations to be content and mindfully guided, but now I'm in desperate need of your help. I apologize for any grammar or spelling errors in this letter. I have difficulty focusing enough to write this. Last night, a ghost from my past resurfaced. Let's call him Theo. Theo is one of my ex-boyfriends from high school. The last time I spoke to him was when I was 18. I'm 25 now, and he was 19. We dated for a year and a half at the end of high school, and he was a grade above me. We had a great relationship in the beginning. There was a lot of fun, laughter, and overall great times exploring around my city. My home life was not great. My mom was very strict and overbearing. I rarely got to leave the house for friends and the like, and he showed me how fun freedom could be. About seven to nine months into the relationship, Theo started to change, slowly at first and then drastically. He became increasingly more jealous and paranoid that I would cheat on him. He questioned every single guy friend I had and even went as far as to threaten physical violence against a boy that had been bothering me. I grew increasingly uncomfortable and frustrated with this behavior. Eventually, he started to threaten me as well. He would tell me that if I ever cheated on him, he would take me into the woods and kill me and the guy I cheated on him with. He used to drive us to secluded areas and pull out a knife while he would scream at me or grab the base of my hair and use it to shake me. This behavior was terrifying. For reference, I'm five foot two and he was over six foot three and more than double my weight. After one and a half years of dating, we split. I won't go into too many details, but he absolutely lost it when we broke up. He stalked me for months, threatened boys that I dated, threatened suicide, stalked my friends, showed up to school events where myself and my family were. This behavior went on for months until eventually he moved cities to be with family. It is very hard to describe the constant terror I faced in the year that this behavior escalated. Fast forward to now. It has been eight years. I went to college, traveled to foreign countries, and mostly left this relationship in the past. If anything, it taught me red flags to look out for in my other relationships. Last night, I noticed that he requested me on Instagram. The immediate panic I felt was palpable, and then I grew curious. I wanted to know what Theo wanted, so I requested him back. 
This morning, he sent me a message asking if I would be okay chatting with him as he has, quote, a lot to apologize for. I said yes. He FaceTimed me. Turns out he had kept my number all these years, and seeing him honestly took my breath away. The fear I thought I had forgotten resurfaced, and I immediately got tunnel vision. We talked on the phone for about an hour, where he explained that since we had last talked, he had been diagnosed with bipolar 1, and that the time we dated was the first time his mania had manifested. His bipolar disorder is severe, with manic episodes lasting up to six months at a time when untreated. He wanted to assure me that he had not been a physical threat to me at that time, that nothing that happened was my fault, how bad he felt for the things he had done to me, and how traumatic it was for both of us. I appreciate the apology a lot and recognize verbally to him the vulnerability it took to reach out. He told me he struggled a lot with his bipolar disorder and turned to alcoholism and other destructive behaviors since diagnosis. He is treated and regularly takes antipsychotic medication. He has a girlfriend now of two and a half years that he lives with. He told me that he is so horrified with what happened with us that he refused to date her for a long time. And eventually she was so persistent that he had her sit in on one of his appointments to listen to his diagnosis and the behaviors he put me through when his manic episodes first appeared. She listened to it all and decided she still wanted to be with him. The emotions this conversation brought up in me were extremely difficult to deal with. I had buried this relationship so long ago, but curiosity got the better of me. I am simultaneously afraid, jealous, bitter, and confused. What I am having the most difficulty with, though, is my desire to reach out to him again. I was struck by how much I missed him while we were talking. It was so confusing, guys. I was so afraid of him, and even with the fear, I missed him. He cracked a few jokes that reminded me of how funny he could be and how great we were before the mania started. We agreed when the phone call was over that he would not reach out to me again, but he let me know that if I ever wanted to, I could text him at any point. He currently lives over 2,000 miles from me. There are many glaring reasons why I shouldn't. One, while he said he is in active treatment and has grown a lot as a person, a few of the things he said rang some alarm bells. He told me that he, quote, still thinks about me every day and asked a few fishing questions about where I am now and what I'm doing. I kept things purposefully vague and refused to give him any details about my life that could hint to where I am, which he said he understood. I got the impression that he still had feelings for me in our conversation. Two, he is currently in a two-and-a-half-year relationship with what sounds like a great girl, and I'm struggling so deeply with my feelings towards this. It sounds like she has seen the worst parts of him and the good and stuck by him when he needed someone. There's more I feel, but this letter is getting so long, and I haven't even asked my question yet. <laughs> Third, I'm worried that by reaching out again, I would trigger parts of his bipolar disorder. I understand from our conversation that I'm a huge trigger for some of the worst manic episodes he has had, especially in the beginning of his diagnosis, and that his behavior during those episodes greatly affected his view of himself in his relationships afterwards. I want so badly to reach out to talk things over in more detail because I was honestly caught so off guard that I could barely get a thought straight in my head, let alone speak to him clearly. My question is, would it be wrong of me to reach out to him again to get my own closure and clarity from what happened? Do you guys think that this would be unsafe for both of us? Would I be selfish to ask for more contact given my role in his bipolar disorder? I can't really tell, and I'm shocked by how badly I want to reach out again. 
It feels like this would be a case of curiosity killed the cat, but I can't help but flounder in the emotional freefall I'm currently in. I know this was super long and choppy. I appreciate all the work you do for people you have never met. Your podcast has brought more healing to my life than you could ever know, and I wish I could give you guys the world. Best, the Curious Kitty. Well, thank you, Curious Kitty, for reaching out to us. Um, I love what you said at the end around um, the work that we do for people that that we've never met. And I am just so struck in this moment reading your letter about how honored I am by the faith that, that so many of our listeners place in us by writing letters about um, some of the worst things that they've been through. Right. And, and your willingness to share with us the way that, um, that this man treated you when you were in high school um, and the things that he did, as well as your confusion about, the intermingling feelings that you're having of both fear and curiosity and like this, this longing to, to see more of him um, is really meaningful. So thank you for, for writing this and um, for sharing your experience in this particular moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, A lot of this letter was emotionally stimulating for me and Mm. um, a lot of it, I feel kindred to a lot of the emotions that you're processing right now. Um, I I just want to quickly remind everyone that like Sam and I, we're not professionals. We aren't mental health therapists or psychologists. And so when we, you know, whatever we say about how best to approach this person with bipolar disorder, like we don't have the professional training to know what is best. We only can speak from our experience. Um, in our own interpersonal lives and, and whatnot. So mm-hmm. honestly, this kind of goes up without saying, but I would very much encourage you to reach out to um, a professional to help you unpack this relationship. It's, I guess the permission I want to give you is like, it's totally okay to still be feeling all these confusing feelings or to have Absolutely. that physical response to seeing him on FaceTime. Like honestly, p- the, I could, I, my body got physically anxious picturing this person being on your FaceTime after eight years. Like I, mm-hmm. and every emotion you described, I could totally physically feel or understand like the excitement, the jealousy, the fear, the vulnerability. Like there's just, that is real. Like if I could have gone back, if I could go back in time, I would say, don't FaceTime, <laughs> you know, like talk on the phone or tell him he can email you because like it, you did a really vulnerable thing um, by letting, by seeing that really triggering person. Um, so mm-hmm. I guess that's the first thing is just like, it's totally okay to need to process this years later. And a mental health professional would probably be your most your best resource because they can really help you. They can give you the tools and the perspective to help you move forward from this um, with, with the most sustainability and healing. Um, The second thing that comes to mind are two of my life experiences that this brought up for me. The first one um, that I think maybe would just extend some um, empathy or understanding to you. The empathy is back. The cake is gone. (laughs) Oh, good. Uh, (laughs) Good. (laughs) Um, The first one is, um, I used to say that I would never want to see my abusive ex again because I feel like I would, I couldn't interact with him without somehow giving him some power back 
or like somehow wanting to appease him or to, mm-hmm. to sure. understand him more or to like flirt or to laugh and have everything be okay again. Um, and I feel that way about a couple people in my life, a couple people that I know like aren't meant for me and who we aren't meant for each other. Like I'm not meant for them either. You know, the toxicity or the damage flowed both ways or whatnot. And for sure. And also there's a part of me, even with all the shit I spew on just breakup, you know, about closure is a gift you give yourself and black, black, black and boundaries. <laughs> uh-huh. Even, even with everything that I intellectually understand about interpersonal relationships, uh, there's a part of me that wants things to be okay and wants to connect and understand and, and wants to go back to those places to, wants to go back to those wounds and be like, oh, yep. look, it's, it wasn't a wound. I was wrong this whole time or or here's a different way to heal it or whatnot. Um, I just wanted to say that because I guess I guess I just wanted to normalize that that desire to go back to something that hurt you and the fear of going back to something that hurt you, too, because it's like. You. You want to know, you want it to be different. You want it to be nice again. And also you don't want to, you're scared. It it just, I think you did a really beautiful job of explaining that dynamic. The third thing that I wanted to say, which was another life experience is, um, there's someone in my life that from my relationship past that like, I deeply want to reach out to to apologize to, <laughs> to mm. be like, look at who I am now. Look at, I, to, to really just say like, wow, I've really failed us in our relationship. I'm, I have this perspective now. I just wanted to extend my love and apology and, and whatnot. And, um, to be honest, y'all, I haven't done it and I'm, I'm not going to do it. Not because I don't think I have like the right things to say, but because, I'm not sure if that's where I want to put this person's emotional energy. Like I don't want to put it on them to then process my apology. Um, Or I don't want to like make them do more work to better understand me because they already did a ton of work in their relationship um, in our relationship to, to make room for my shit, you know? (laughs) And actually, to be honest, when I share this, I'm not actually thinking about Theo and Theo's apology. I'm I'm answering your question, letter writer, about should I reach out to him again? I'm not against you trying to seek more clarity because, like you said, this really took you by surprise and, like, opened a lot of wounds and brought a lot of emotions back. And I think you have every right to try to unpack that. But I'm wondering, like, if you could... I'm not sure if unpacking that with this person is the best thing for either of you. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if either of you deserve to have to do that emotional labor with each other, even though, you know, he was the cause of this pain. I just don't know if going back to that pain is going to bring you the clarity that really heals that let you, that lets you close this wound that lets you close this door because here's, here's the ultimate thing. Like I said about wanting to reach out to these toxic people in my past or wanting to apologize to this one nice person. Um, it's so hard to have those conversations be done. It's so hard to have that door be closed. 
And I have to ask myself, what is healthier for me and this person in my past for me to just live with the discomfort that I don't have all the answers, that I didn't get to apologize to his face, that like he may never know this more fully evolved, well-rounded person of me? Or do I bring it all up again? Do I make us do more emotional labor for a relationship that is not actively in my life right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so those are just some random thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think I agree with all of those things and would and would just add too that like the stuff that Theo did to you is also deeply traumatic stuff too, right? Like the stuff that you described of of the the hair shaking and the knives and the, all of that. Um, that is that's deep trauma, right? Yes. That is something that and the fact that your response to seeing him was a panic response, which is like a tunnel vision response, which I know very well as somebody who has had PTSD and is still like working on it. Yep. Um and so, like Sierra said, I don't know that reliving this trauma with the person who traumatized you is going to be healthy for you, which is why I want to reiterate what Sierra said of like, what does it look like for you to talk to a therapist about this and figure out how to bring this to the surface when it's right for you to process through it in a way that it doesn't create the same same panic trauma responses Yes. whenever you think about or encounter this person. Um, and... And going through that type of trauma work of like talking about this is really, really difficult. Like it's very challenging. It is like un it is therapy unlike I've ever experienced therapy before. Um and I would not want to do it with anyone except for like a professional who I trust and who is also an outside observer of the situation. Yes. Um, who I know is on my side. Yes. <laughs> right. Like who I know is always gonna be like, yeah, that happened, that's real. And not try to qualify it. And I, I love that Theo is thinking about the things that he's done. He feels really bad for him, for them. I, I appreciate that he has found a way to move forward and is like trying to figure out what that means for him. And if he wrote this letter, I would, I would praise him for that and encourage him to continue to do the work that he's doing. Um, but I just don't know that it's safe for you yes. um, to do this with the person who perpetrated it against you. And what I also want to be clear about is that I'm not implying that Theo is an unsafe person, mm. right? Cause there's a stigma around folks with mental health that they are unsafe, that they are actively harmful. Um, and that isn't necessarily true. And like the fact that Theo has done the work to find treatment and to get his mental health under control. Um, I trust that he is absolutely doing this in a, in a way that is, appropriate and kind and I don't think that he's any inherently violent or unsafe around the people even as he's still struggling with what that means for him um but I want to just like acknowledge that stigma that we have that like people with mental illness are inherently more violent or unsafe than other folks are yes um and I also want to say too that like I appreciate that you don't want to trigger him in his own mental health journey and We also can trust or we can work towards trust to say that people who are struggling with mental health or are dealing with it also have tools available to Mm. them to do kind of this stuff as well. So it may be re-triggering for him. And it sounds like he's got a lot of support around what that what that happens for him as well, too. So, like, just want to name those two things, not because I want to shame you for anything, but because I want to acknowledge that, like, 
These are common stories we tell ourselves around people who have mental illness, and we can do the work to challenge some of those assumptions that we might be making as well. Yes. And because I want to, I want to release you from thinking that it's your job to fix this man, yes. or that it's your job to help him parse through what happened with him. Right? I think it's better if you two sort of talk about this with your collective support systems. Hopefully, yes. that involves therapy. And then if you get to a point where you're like, it would actually be really, I'm certain, or I know that it would actually be really helpful for me to talk through this with him or to have him see my the experience that I went through. And it sounds like he's willing to do that. Great. But I just don't know if you're at this moment yes. ready for that kind of conversation because yes. just because it is so deeply difficult to talk about this kind of trauma in a way that isn't like re-triggering yes. in a way that doesn't just put you immediately back into the place where you were, which was with this large man holding a knife against you and screaming at you. Right. Yes. Like I don't want you to go back to that place, which is what trauma often does when it's triggered is to just put us right back in the moment. That was beautifully said, Sam. Um, and there was a great bridge to the last thing I want to say, which is when you go through something like this, it's like so fucked up and so betraying of trust and love and you have to rebuild your understanding of safety and relationships and stuff. Um, we think that going back to healing is everything being rectified, you know, everything being made right again. Um, right. And the truth is that's just the antithesis of life that this might be as right quote in quotes as this gets, you know, even the fact that he reached out to you and was granted access to you to say these very important, vulnerable things, which like Sam said, I commend him for, but also I'm like, not totally sure was like good for your healing, you know, mm -hmm. maybe good for his healing. Um, I think that that this, this might be as right as this very painful life experience feels. And so our pain wants us to go find more healing, more clarity, um, more closure, more feelings of rightness. And I don't know how much more right this can feel. This was a terribly toxic, abusive relationship. And we can have empathy for the dynamics and, you know, intersectional conditions that cause the relationship to be the way it is whether it be youth, mental health, emotional maturity, you know, like all of these things. And also that for me, the healing I see for you, the clarity I see for you is forward. It's not necessarily backwards. Um, sure. And this is never going to be made right again. It's just going to be accepted you accept mm. that this happened. You accept mm -hmm. that you now can move forward from it. Yep. Um, and like Sam said, healing from something that is this physically and emotionally traumatic, it comes in waves and it's deeply difficult. Like I, I feel for you and I feel for the journey that you're on, even though you're eight years out of it, you know? Yep. Um, I, and I feel for Theo, like, I like I said I I'm proud of him for saying the things he needed to say to say and that he it sounds like he has a clear understanding that like 
his making things right, quote unquote, right for him is not him having more access to you. Mm-hmm. And also, if I could get into a time machine, I would say, don't FaceTime this person. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, let, them, let them write you an email. <laughs> I know it's too late. Nobody can go back. Um, yeah, I, it's hard, though. My My heart, the only thing my heart wants to do is to make things right, even with people in situations that I know, one, can never be made right, or two, who don't deserve my time, you know, who right. who, who disrespected me or, or made me feel unsafe. And vice versa. I mean, I think that's why I brought up the example of like me not wanting to apologize to this person from my past because like I'm also trying to respect them and their growth and their peace. And I don't want to like force my apology on them so that they have to then unpack everything like our letter writer is now doing. For sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. No, it is hard because we we have complicated emotions about all sorts of things where we can fear someone and also want to reach out to them or we can, um, you know, get deeply excited and, and heartened by the conversations we're having with someone and also be really deeply triggered by the trauma yeah. that we're experienced that we have yeah. experienced from it. Right. And often we think that complicated emotions are telling us we're doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, but really it's just the fact of life is that we're always going to be in this state of complication of yeah. complexity of yeah. nuance. Um, and so it's okay that you're feeling all these things at the same time. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that you're somehow unhealed or whatever it is. Yeah. It just means that you're having all these emotions at the same time. Yeah. Um, and figuring out a way forward is to accept all of them as real and valid and important and trying to tell you something. Um, and then to decide not to figure out a way to never have those emotions again, but to create a space where you can manage them and you can live with them and appreciate them for the things that they're trying to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate the complexity of this of your emotional experience. Um, I think like if I could summarize our advice would be like, don't reach out to him yet. (laughs) You know, do, do make, build your safety, build your support system and rely on them, you know, grant yourself the peace that you deserve um, and work on the tools that you, that will help you sustain that peace. Um, And also, this is less of a piece of advice and more just a nod to your humanity. You experienced a lot. Even that FaceTime call, that's a lot. That's like very Mm -hmm. complex and triggering and, and all of your emotional responses, even the ones that you don't like to sit with, maybe feelings of jealousy about his relationship, feelings of, you know, longing to make things right um, or to like see the good in him all of that is just part of your humanity. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't make you a bad person, but it doesn't necessarily need to be acted upon. What needs to be acted sure. upon is is your healing and your safety. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my darling. Um, thank you so much for the privilege of answering this letter. We love you. Thank you so much. This brings us to the blind date segment of the show. Every episode, we like to shout out something that we love that we want to set you up with. And this week, we are sending you home with a TV show called The Gilded Age. Oh, my God. Which is on HBO Max. Yes. Did you have something to add? (laughs) I literally do have something to add. I was just told tonight 
y'all know that I live in upstate or central New York, um, that the Gilded Age was filmed in Troy, New York, which is like a neighboring town to me. Oh, funny. I know. And literally my wife came home and said, I can't wait for you to tell this to Sam. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a great show. It's by the writer of, um, Downton Abbey. So Julian Fellows, um, it's fantastic. It is like Downton Abbey, but it's a little grittier, a little, it's like, you know, Downton Abbey is PBS. This is HBO. So there's like, (laughs) there's more sex. There's more like scandal. There's like a lot more happening in it. Um, it's really good. It's uh, classic like Downton Abbey. It's like very heavy handed in some ways, but also just like so enjoyable to watch. Christine Baranski, Cynthia Nixon are fantastic in it. Also, the woman who whose name I'm forgetting, but she was in um, House of Cards. She plays like the upstart, like nouveau riche people, uh-huh. woman who's like coming into the neighborhood, building the giant mansion. She's got more money than God, but no one will talk to her because she's She's not of the old New York. Mm. Um, she's fantastic. The costuming. Oh my God. It's just, it's just so amazing. There's <laughs> so much brocade. There's just so there's hats where the hat and the hair, the hair is styled into there's the hat. There's hand gestures and, guys that the, you can't see. The hat is like, sometimes the hats are real small. Sometimes they're like, like got lots of shapes on them. It's fantastic. Uh, it's great. It's like everything that you love about Downton Abbey plus like an HBO twist to it. Um, so yeah, check it out. It's called The Gilded Age. It is on HBO Max. I can't wait to check it out. Honestly, I'm I'm saving it for for post birth. I'm saving <laughs> yes, it for like do. the first couple months of insomnia, insanity after we have our baby. <laughs> I love it. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship meme, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Just want to say general apology to Jim from Letter 2. I have empathy for you now. <laughs> Everybody's on a journey. That's right. Everyone's on their journey. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> please remember to follow or subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on patreon if you support us on patreon for as little as five dollars a month you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode that's patreon.com slash just break up pod this literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his newest podcast, Finding Quantum Quest, wherever you listen. And remember, you are allowed to have feelings, even if they're complicated, even if you're ashamed of them, even if you maybe don't feel super proud of what they imply about you feelings are not our total truth feelings do not define us you don't need to punish yourself for having feelings that is part of your humanity and give yourself the opportunity to examine those feelings to see what they are truly trying to tell you below the emotions below the responses that's where your intuition lies and if all else fails just break up (laughs) 